we just thank the Lord for your goodness. Now, our ushers, we're going to take a prayer walk offering. So uh, if you'll come at this time, guys, and get ready, we'd appreciate that. Just a couple things I just want to share with you this morning about our prayer walk. Uh, we thank God for the people who have come together and worked hard and prayed and, and really made a tremendous difference in seeing the things come together. And uh, it was a good turnout. But our prayer is that God would just move upon the hearts of the American people, our church people. And I believe that if there's going to be revival, it's going to begin in the hearts of God's people. It's going to happen in church. And uh, we praise the Lord for uh, the good turnout yesterday and the people that have come and have really stood in the gap and have been a tremendous blessing. But we just thank the Lord that, that we have an opportunity. If anything ever should happen to this country, we want to know that, that you've stood in the gap that you have stood in that place and said, you know what, I want to make a difference. Now, I know a lot of people could not walk yesterday. Uh, there were some people who had other engagements. They could not, get, you know, be here. But we encourage you uh, to participate this morning. I had so many people at the door say, Pastor Tim, I want to contribute. I want to give. And uh, we're in going to encourage you. This money just is, is separate from our tithes and offerings. This just strengthens the church. You know, we've had a, a budget through the summer months, and a lot of people are away, and the giving has, has gone down in some areas. And this is just a time to a resurgence of help through our giving. And I just, I love Crossroads Bible Church, and I want God to see us at our maximum level. And I'm going to encourage you this morning uh, to give. And if you haven't had a chance to give, or you haven't had a chance to sponsor anyone, we encourage you this morning to, to earmark it on an envelope. Uh, that's in front of you. Just mark it, uh, prayer walk. If you write a check, put prayer walk, and that lets us know that money will go separate from our tithes and offerings, and that'll help tremendously. So at this time, if our ushers will come, and if you'll just come on down toward the front, and we're going to receive this offering this morning, and I know God will bless you as you give toward our prayer walk, and this just strengthens the work of God. So we encourage you uh, to give this morning. We thank you so very, very much. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your goodness to us. We pray that you would bless, Lord, this offering this morning. We'll pray, Lord, as we receive it, Lord, that, that you would use it, Lord, to strengthen our church. We thank you for the Lord's people. Thank you for the blessing they have been to our ministry. And, Father, we'll thank you for it. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, amen. God bless you now as we give. As Pastor Brad mentioned, our series on stewardship called First Fruits. 
First fruits is nothing I came up with. It doesn't originate with me. It, it originates in the Bible, God's precious word. And this morning, I want us to look at Exodus chapter 34, verse 26 is our key verse. And I'd like to entitle this sermon this morning, starting our four-week stewardship series. I encourage you to stay with us because there are some great principles that you can learn about what God has to say about giving, what God has to say that teaches me and teaches you, and collectively as we submit ourselves to the Word of God, it affects all of us as the family of God. In fact, many times giving on, uh, preaching sermons on giving and stewardships, it's my natural tendency to back away at times. And that's not good because a lot of people say, ah, he's preaching about money, he's preaching about giving. And in many times, you know, you, you want people to love you, they, you want people to receive what you got to say. But the most important thing is, this is what God has to say. And this is instruction from him right from the word of God. And this is something we want to be connected to God and we want God's blessing. How many want God to bless you this morning? Amen. This is key. This is a principle. Uh, and, and I just pray, pray for me as a pastor that I would be strong in the area of encouraging you and encouraging all of us to let's be faithful in the area of keeping him number one in your life and in my life. Exodus chapter 34 verse 26 says this, the first of the first fruits of your land you shall bring to the house of the Lord your God. You know, we are starting this series. In fact, we, we've got a presentation of first fruits up front. And if you go in the lobby, you'll see uh, we have a uh, mannequin set up out there. And May was great to help us decorate that little fella. And he is one of our high priests. You'll notice the Ark of the Covenant, which represents Jesus Christ. The temple reminds us as a representation of the house of God. And we have the high priest who receives the offering and he carries out the orders of the Lord. So this whole emphasis reminds us of what God has to say on the area of our faithfulness to him and our giving to him. The significance of first fruits. In fact, let me just give you a biblical definition. definition. Jewish feast held early spring at the early grain harvest. Every spring, the people of God, and they were basic farmers back then, they learned that God had given specific instruction to Moses that the first harvest, the very first, the very top of their blessed income had to be given to the Lord. This was for the purpose that they would be very conscious of the fact that it was God who was blessing them. It was God that gave them the land. It was God that gave them uh, the fruit from that land. It was God who gave them the very ability to farm the land, and it is God that rewards them for a prosperous life. So God designed this not so much because God needs money. God designed this so we could be set up for a place of blessing. In fact, God instructed Moses to expose the secret of overwhelming blessing to, his, blessing to his chosen nation. Moses obeyed God by stating the conditions that men should practice this before they receive a blessing. It is key. In fact, in the book of Exodus, in the book of Leviticus, 
in the book of Numbers, in the book of Deuteronomy. Close to over 40 some times, the Bible talks about the importance of first fruits. And he constantly is sharing with us, even in the New Testament, how the first fruits are very much important to our faith in God. In fact, Exodus 23, 19 says this, the first of the first fruits of your land you shall bring into the house of the Lord your God. I like that. Now, the Lord gives us many instructions about first fruits. And I just want to share a couple of them with you this morning. Number one is first fruits offering must be taken to the house of God. In other words, God says the first 10% of what you receive, bring it to the house of God. That's my appointed place that I want to receive the blessing from you. In fact, this is an honor to the Lord himself. I can only imagine back then. And back then, they didn't have paychecks like we receive today, but they, they were farmers. And I can only imagine and see in my mind's eye how impressive it was for the Jewish people at the early spring to make this great walk to the house of God and how the house of God was just, just flooded with the gifts and the first fruits from God's people. My, how God must have been touched in his heart to see the faithfulness of the Lord's people. So the first fruit offering, the Bible teaches us, our tithes are brought to the house of God. And then secondly, first fruit offering must be delivered to the priest. Leviticus 23.10, this is what it says. Speak to the children of Israel and say to them, when you come into the land which I give to you and reap its harvest, then you shall bring a sheaf of the first fruits of your harvest to the priest. Now, it was the priest's job to present these offerings to the Lord. They would have what they call a wave offering, or they would, they would take this and present it before the Lord. And then many times they would take the offerings and they would place it up on the brazen altar, and they would allow the fire to consume this. And the smoke of that offering would be a sweet and smelling savor to the Lord. And some areas they would have what we call a meal offering. Many times the, the priest would take the grain that people would give. Uh, the farmers would give them and they would beat that barley down and they would make two loaves of bread. And the two loaves of bread represent the two types of people in the world that need Jesus, who is the bread of life. That is the Jewish people and the Gentile people. So this was an offering and the priests would offer this to the Lord and it would be burnt and also the priests would partake of that and eat of these loaves. So there is the priest who would serve those who gave to the house of God. And then there's the first fruit offering uh, shall apply to every man's livelihood. Deuteronomy 18.4 says this, you must also give to the priest the first share of the grain, the new wine, the olive oil, and the wool at the shearing time. And God says, whatever I bless you with, 10% is mine. And I want you to bring it to the house of God. I want you to give it to the priest. And I want the priest to offer that and bring that up to me that I might receive it. And then he says, I want every man, everybody, no matter what you receive, that you realize that what you have is a blessing from God. And that 10% belongs to him. And then also the Bible says in the fourth point, and that is first fruit offering must be accompanied or given with worship. 
In other words, in Deuteronomy 26.10, I love this verse. Now behold, I have brought the first fruits of the land which you, O Lord, have given me. Then you shall set it, I love this, you shall set it before the Lord your God and worship before the Lord your God. In other words, that's why we have offerings at church. That's giving us an opportunity to come to his house. This is our opportunity as the embodiment of believers. We receive blessings from God, and everything we receive belongs to him. In fact, you don't even own yourself. He owns you. He created you. He made you. He blessed you with a job. He blessed you with health that you could work. He put breath in your lungs so you could live. Everything that you have in your life is given to you by God. He is a great and gracious God. If you believe that today, give the Lord a hand of praise. Amen. He's a great God. He has blessed us. So the Bible says that everyone who has received from the blessing of God, the Bible says, what you have received, 10% of it belongs to the Lord. Give it back to him and showing your acknowledgement of his existence. 10% giving back to him what is rightfully his. In fact, Malachi had an issue with the Jewish people because later on down the road, they got very far away from God. And, and Malachi uh, had a conversation with the people of God and God spoke to them and God spoke to the people and, and, and God says, you have robbed me. And the people says, robbed you? We never robbed you. We never took anything from you, from you Lord. And God says, yes, you did. 10% as he has shared previously in the scriptures, the principles of the scriptures, you have robbed me by taking 10% and using it for yourself and you've ignored my house. You have not honored me. And he says, you've robbed me with your tithes and your offerings. And if you want to be blessed, the best place to set yourself up is to acknowledge him and all of us coming to the place to acknowledge that 10% is his and we give it in faith. And then notice the fifth point, and that is first fruit literally means a promise to come. When we give 10%, that means God is going to bless more to come. In fact, the farmers, when they would bring their 10% of their crop to the Lord's house and they would give it to the priest and the priest would offer it to the Lord and the Lord would receive it. God would bless them abundantly. In fact, the Bible teaches us in the scriptures that, that when we honor the Lord with our substance and when we worship him with the first fruits of our land or the first fruits of our income, God says, I will bless you. I will abundantly pour a blessing upon you and I will fill your barns and your vats and I will bless you tremendously if you honor me. You know, it really comes down to this. It is God who gives you the power of wealth. It is God who gives you the power of blessing. And my friend, it's so critically important for all of us to understand that we want to bless the Lord and we need his blessing in our own personal life. Now, there are three thoughts this morning I want to share with you about first fruits. Number one, first fruits is understanding the use of money. 1 Timothy 6.10 says, For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And some people craving money have wandered from true faith and pierced themselves with many sorrows. Understanding the use of money. Now he says not money is evil, but he said the love of money is evil. 
In fact, Jesus warned about money and its seductive power over us. Jesus understood human nature and how the love of money can easily become more important to us than the love of God. And God never wants you to come to the place where you're so obsessed about money that you totally ignore him altogether in your life of faith. When you tithe, you're basically saying, or when you give God 10% of your income back to God, you're basically saying to the Lord, I acknowledge you that I am your creation and you are my creator and I acknowledge you and Lord, I understand the principles of blessing in my life and Lord, I give to you and I honor you this morning and I love you more than I love money. Money and debt can become a terrible master that, that can wreck our life and enslave us. In fact, it's an interesting exercise to look through our checkbook and to see where all of our money goes. In, in significant ways, it reveals our priorities and the things we value, the things that are important to us. Who are the gods in our life? At what altars do we worship? Our bank statements give us a window into our souls. And when money is spoken of, the Bible is quite clear where to begin. And the first principle of all stewardship is that God owns everything. This is what Psalms 24 verse 1 says. By the way, do you believe the Bible? That was weak. Do you, do you believe the Bible? Amen. I believe it to be true. I talked to my wife this morning. My wife gave me a sermon this morning. She says, don't apologize. This is God's word. Stand and speak the truth. And I said, I'm definitely going to do that. I should have her come up and help me preach because she's, she's, she got her father. Her father was a pastor for 60-some years. And boy, could that man preach the word. But how true it is. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. Psalms 24, verse 1. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. We may think we own something. It's, it's, our, it's our name on the title to the car. It's our name on the title of the house or our land. But in a real sense, we are only here for a little while. And the things that we own will someday belong to someone else. You think you own things, but very soon your life is going to be detached from this world and all the things that you have acquired in life will pass. That's why Jesus said in the scripture, Seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all of these things shall be added unto you. In other words, take your investments in this world, the money that he has blessed you with, invest it in the kingdom of God, invest it in a life of obedience, because all of those works will follow you into eternity. We are stewards managers for a little while of the things that belong ultimately to God. That includes our possessions, our home, our children, even our bodies. When Christians refer to money, we often think about how much we should give to God. And the underlying assumption is that if we give part of our income to God, then the rest is ours to spend however we want. But if we begin with the principle that God owns everything, then the question is not how much we should give to God. The real issue is how we manage everything God has given to us. How much of what God has given me am I going to keep for my own needs? We need to examine the spiritual implication of how we spend our money, not just what we give to God. How much of what God has given me am I going to keep for my own needs? 
In fact, first fruits has many lessons for us when it comes about money. In fact, first fruits has lesson number one, and that is money and worship. We worship him. The word worship means worthy. He is worthy. Is he worthy of 10% of what he has overall blessed you with? Money has everything to do with priority. If you notice the first word in the stewardship program, it's called first. What Jesus says, when you tithe, you recognize that I am first in your life. The, one of the first basic cornerstones of God's commandment to you and I is to love the Lord thy God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. So our love for God, he's basically saying, reveal it in your obedience to me. So money is worship, money is priority, money also has to do with plenty. He says when you tithe and when you give and when you come into my house and you give it, he says you open the door for greater blessings to come your way. And then he said this in Malachi, he says, prove me, test me. I'm a God of integrity, I'm a God of faithfulness, I'm a God of my word. You can't outgive me. He owns the cattle of a thousand hills. He owns it all. He owns this building. He owns the, the ground that you walk on. He owns your house. He owns your car. He owns every he owns your soul. He created you. He owns everything. And when you stop and you realize the direction in your life, you realize that I am going to honor him. I'm going to give him how he has instructed me to give. And then money and management, we don't own it, but God does. And then our second big point, and that is first fruits reveal how we give to God. The second big point, how we give to God. Deuteronomy 26.10 says, Now behold, I have brought the first fruits of the land which you, O Lord, I like this, O Lord, you have given me. Then you shall, I like this, I just love how he says this, then you shall set it before the Lord your God and worship before the Lord your God. Worship in the spirit of giving. Giving has always been incorporated in worship. Now I know there are some churches that will have a box out in the lobby and people can come in and give if they want. But there's nothing like a worshipful service where we, we, we allow it to become center of the, of the worship service because God is concerned not so much about what you say as about what you perform. You see, our attitudes toward money really go to the core of who we are. Someone has said the hardest conversion we all face is the conversion of our pocketbooks. Whether or not we are savers or spenders, self is really at the center of our financial decision. We're worried about, I wonder if I have enough. I wonder if I can work this out. And the fact of the matter is, we got it all backwards. We should not be at the center. Jesus Christ should be at the center. And when it comes to our finances, we need to think about him first. Say, God, this is all yours. How have you instructed me to give? Lord, I'm going to make you first. So therefore, I will give my first fruits of income to you. And I'm going to have faith to know that if I 
demonstrate my first fruits to you, then I have faith to believe the very God who owns everything will bless me and honor me, and I will take you to task. You said, prove me, and Lord, I will have full faith that you will help me. That's why Jesus spent so much time talking about money. There is a spiritual battle going on. In fact, in the book of Revelation, the mark of the beast was all about buying and selling. They're going to have 666 in the tribulation period on their foreheads. And that tells them that they have a contribution to the devil's system. They're going to, they cannot buy or sell until they're in that system of finances. And, and how they manage that money will have everything to do with their commitment to the system of the devil. And having the 666 on, on their forehead is a symbol of participating in the economy, earning and spending. All, and the question is, who are we going to follow in this life as believers? Are we going to follow God or the beast? Will our spending habits reflect our faith in God or our faith in the beast? In a real sense, our checkbook is a battleground for a spiritual war that is taking place. When it really comes down to it, words can be cheap. We can say a lot about what we love, how we love God. But really, God says it is better to sacrifice. It is better to demonstrate a life of obedience to the Lord. You see, when you tithe your first fruits, you give to God... Instead of spending it all on yourself, you win a spiritual victory. In the Bible, at harvest time, farmers took the first and they took the best that they had of their fields and their flocks to the temple. They gave their first fruits to God. And not many of us are farmers today and we don't have harvest crops. We don't raise cattle for the most of us. Most of us receive our harvest in the form of a paycheck and when we receive that paycheck, we are faced with some decisions. As people of faith, we see that paycheck as a blessing from God. But how are we going to manage it? Where will we spend it? And how much will we give it away? Giving. You know, I've all preached sermons about Cain and Abel. And I, I learned a lot through writing this sermon myself. And I've been really immersed in the scriptures and studying and I've learned so much as a pastor myself I thought you know I've really cheated the people because I should have been preaching this a long time ago but I'm glad I'm preaching it now amen I'm glad I'm preaching it now and I as I looked at this and I, I studied this and I realized that the, the issue of Cain and Abel I always thought that that Abel brought his offering before the Lord and it had blood in it and God received it and God rejected Cain's offering because it was fruit but I thought you know I really missed the point there and I thought he gave a bloodless offering and that's why he rejected it but as I went back and studied Jewish historians and as I studied I realized it really wasn't about the blood it was about how God instructed them to give. Abel gave the first of his flock. He gave his best to the God right up front. And, and Cain waited till the very end. After he used up all his, uh, his income, he, he, he came and he gave God what was left over. God rejected it because it was not a matter of putting him first. I thought, wow, that's profound. Tithing is important. I've asked a couple to come, and if they'll speak right now, if, if Dave and Terry, if you're here, and they're going to share, these are people that have learned 
through their issues. Can you guys come on up? Dave and Terry, where are they? Oh, here they are. There you are. They're going to come, and they're going to share a testimony about how they, too, have learned principles. And in no way they're trying to say we're better than everybody. Or we're. They're here, and I ask them to speak because I know Dave, Dave. In fact, I'm going to tell you something about Dave. Dave and I graduated away at Elkton Christian School together out of the same class back in 1908. <laughs> Not, I'm sorry. I have to correct it. 1907. So, but I'm going to ask these two to come. And I want you to share with them from your hearts about what you've learned about tithing. And I want them to know that tithing works and that God will bless them. Can you do that? And it is something you learn. Uh, first of all, I'm David, and uh, this is my wife. Terry. And we're the... It's on. Speak, go closer. We are the uh, New Jersey Beaches. Uh, and uh, I say that to uh, bring up the fact that we live in New Jersey. <clears throat> About a year ago, well, for, for a little over a year, uh, it became obvious at the, uh, my workplace that the job that I had held for 20 years uh, was in jeopardy, not just for me, but for the whole company. There were some changes taking place in the, um, the, in the uh, workplace. And our company was in danger of being uh, either absorbed or eliminated by a larger entity. And about the same time, <laughs> at about the same time, uh, a year, about a year ago, we, um, the Holy Spirit was talking to me about a church, and I was driving past this, this church almost on a weekly basis two or three times. And one day I looked over at it, and the Holy Spirit said, uh, get your wife and go to church there on Sunday. Kind of took me by surprise because I never had any intentions of coming here. Me too. A long way. So uh, I told her of uh, what we were going to do, and she said, why would we want to drive that far to go to church? I said, I don't know. Let's just do it once. And uh, I figured I'd do it once. That would satisfy the Holy Spirit, satisfy God, and then we could move on. Well, we came one time, and we haven't missed since. Uh, I say all that to say that the last year has been a year of challenge in many, many areas. One of them being we decided that we wanted to live closer to this church, and not just for the purpose of being closer to this church so we could come here, but there are other reasons. And we kind of decided that we were going to leave New Jersey and find a home in Maryland. So uh, with that and with the prospects of maybe losing my job over the last year, we, uh, for about eight or nine months now, had been looking for a house and um, uh, seemed to lead from one dead end to another. And I kept saying, don't worry about it. If God wants us to do it, he'll, he'll provide a place. So one Saturday in June, early in June, we were driving out 273 to Rising Sun to look at a house that we had made an appointment to look at. So we got there and we looked at it and, um, you know, it really didn't jump out at us and say, this is it. But on the way there, my wife had said, oh, look, there's a real estate sign in that yard. I'm like, all right, maybe we'll, maybe we'll just, maybe we'll look at it on the way back. So uh, the house we went to look at kind of was a dead end and, um, we left there and headed back to New Jersey, and uh, I said, do you remember where that house was? She said, yes, it was down here 
almost to Newark. And um, so we got closer and closer. I started looking, and sure enough, there it was. And uh, so we pulled over. Because I asked him to. <laughs> yes. <laughs> because men don't do things until their wife asks them to. So we're sitting there looking at the house, and... Uh, I start calling. She, she called the number on the sign, got a hold of a realtor, and this was late in the afternoon on a Saturday. And uh, why don't you tell them what you asked the, the realtor? I called the realtor and I said, is it possible we're right here if we could look at the house? We know we don't have an appointment. Would they be willing to see it? Let us see it. So I couldn't believe that this realtor actually went through with his job. And he called and he said, yes, they'd be willing to see it. They allow you to see it. So we came in and we told him who we were and that we were interested in looking at the house. And uh, the woman there says to us, oh, you know, um, the house is a mess. I said, listen, I'm not a house inspector. I just want to look at the home. It caught my eye. It's close to where we want to be in our church. We want to be more involved. And this would be very close. So she showed us around and everything, and we both looked at it and we went, yes, this is the one. So within a week, oh, and they said to us, there's a contingency. Somebody already has a bid on the house. I said, Dave, we're going to pray this through. We're going to pray this through. And so um, about a week later, I said to, this was in June, about a week later, I said to the realtor, I called him and I said, we'd like to make an offer and I told him what we offered, what we were going to offer him, and <laughs> sorry, he's just uh, just used to me yelling. Anyway, so I made an offer, and he said, "Oh, that's that's really low." He goes, "It's lower than uh, what the other people made an offer." I said, "That's okay." I said, "If God wants us to have it, we'll get it." And the guy was like, "Okay, it's a little loony here." So we did, we made an offer, and that Saturday we went to go look at the house again and signed a contract. And meanwhile, the people come in and they look at us and they start talking to us again and they said, we really want you to have the house, but we have this contingency and it expires June 30th. So every day we prayed that God would allow us to, to deliver that house to us for what I told them, the price that I wanted. And we signed the contract, and within 20 minutes, I said, Lord, if this is your will, speak to us. Speak to us, Lord, show us. Within 20 minutes, we were going to lunch. Within 20 minutes, the cell phone rang, my cell phone rang. And um, the realtor said, the, the owners have accepted your offer, and we're going to call the other people because there's no way they can sell their house and settle by June 30th. So therefore, we got the house. And we were just so excited. We go off to, to vacation. We come back. You want to take it from there? So having accepted our offer on the house, and it was, looked like the contingency offer was going to fail, which it did, uh, we were uh, ecstatic to leave and go on vacation and enjoy a, a nice week in Myrtle Beach. So. Uh, we had already initiated the paperwork for a mortgage that it would require to uh, purchase the home. We went on vacation in um, July, towards the end of July. Came back from vacation, went to work on Monday, and my job was terminated. But the paperwork had already gone through, we were approved, 
purchased a house. The offer had been accepted. So it just goes to show that God knew all along what was going to happen with my job. He knew the house that he wanted us to have. He made it happen. And is this because we were faithful in tithing? I absolutely believe so. I believe so. When you're faithful to God, when you bring him the first part of your income, he makes the rest of it go unbelievably far. It's, uh, we have more stories than that to tell you. That is just the most recent example of how God has worked in our lives through our, through our finances, with our finances, and, and just uh, proven that he is a God that cannot be outgiven. Amen. Thank you, guys. Thank you so much. Oh, and about the job, within, within two or three weeks, I had six or eight job offers. I had to weed through them to pick the one I wanted. <laughs> Thank you, God. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much. Amen. Isn't that a great story? And, and I know of some of those stories that they have shared, and it is really tremendous. And then I want to share my third point with you, and that is first fruits fully belong to the Lord. They fully belong to the Lord. Leviticus 27, 32 says, and this is what God told the people in that time through Moses. He says, when you count your flocks, when you count your herds, one out of every, one out of 10 of every newborn animal is holy and it belongs to me. What God was basically saying that, that 10%, even with your animals, everything belongs to me. There has to be a conscientious effort on everyone's part to give wholly unto the Lord. Proverbs encourage those ancient farmers to give God their first fruits. He said, honor the Lord with your substance and with the first fruits of your produce. Now there are many places in the Bible that solely teach us that certain things only belong to God. And the Bible says they are holy to him. Pastor Brad already brought this out. Haggai 2.8 says, the silver is mine, the gold is mine, the earth is mine, the souls of men are mine. All belong to him. And, and we are exhorted not to touch what belongs to him. It belongs to him. And when we honor him, he is the one that sets you up and blesses you. In fact, I like what Malachi 3.10 says, bring all the tithes into my storehouse so that there will be enough food in my temple. We have to be careful not to take what belongs to the Lord because it is holy to him. It is holy. And then by failing to give him first fruits, we have to be careful not to insult the very God who's the very foundation of our prosperity and our blessing. In other words, we got to make sure that we don't give him that which is left over, that which is a part that is only left, God's blessing in our life. I'm talking about missing God's blessing by failure to give. And God can do miraculous things when, when he sets out to bless us when we're faithful to him. Just like Dave and Terry just shared with you. They set out and God did miraculous things. The world said, no, that's never going to happen. But God made it possible because they had found God's favor in the, in, the, in the Lord. That's why Proverbs tells us to trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not rely on your own insight. The Bible puts it this way, trust God from the bottom of your heart. Don't try to figure everything out on your own. You can't figure it out because it is a walk of faith and you have to trust in the promise 
of God's provision. So what does a first fruit tither look like for a believer today? You see, giving our first fruit begins by giving God the first tenth of our income, not last, not a leftover, or a failure to give anything. It begins by being filled with simple obedience and faith. I have $10 up here this morning, and it really reminds us of the importance of giving to the Lord. In fact, many times this $10 represents our income through a paycheck. And the very first thing that we pay, or first thing that is taken out of our income is our taxes. And then we pay our mortgage. Uh, and, and, and then we pay our utilities. And then we pay our car payment. And then we pay our insurance. And then we pay out of our income our groceries. And then we pay our credit card and basic general bills that we have accumulated. And then we, we set aside money for our vacation and we set that aside. And then we have our dog grooming and dog food. Uh-huh, Fido, you know, gets in there. And may I say, sometimes Fido does better than Jesus Christ. And then entertainment. We, we have, we, we, we spend all of that. So we have our taxes, our mortgage, our utilities, our car payment, our insurance, our groceries, our credit card, our bills, general bills, vacation, dog grooming, entertainment. We have all of these things. And, and then whatever's left, we come to church. We go, oh, I wish I could give to the church. I wish I could give to God. I wish I could give to the Lord. And then we want and we expect God to bless it. But the Bible teaches us when we fail to honor him, then he fails to bless what comes down. So what happens is we find that we run a deficit and there are holes in our pockets and things don't seem to meet. And, and what is missing is God's blessing. So when we come back and we realize, you know what? I am going to change everything. I am going to give God number one before even taxes. I'm gonna give him the first fruits. I'm gonna give what is his and I'm going to live with the 90%. And I'm going to trust God. I'm going to do what is right. You know, I, I thought to myself many times, if all of God's people, all of God's people, all of God's people who come to the house of the Lord and they recognize his greatness in their life and they honor the Lord with their substance and if everyone gave... It would be amazing how the Lord's house would never have need. So there is the tithe, number one. I know some people get on online giving and they just go ahead and automatically have it taken out. They said, I don't even want to be tempted with even taking any. I just want it to be automatic. When you automatically tithe and give God the 10% of your income, it is God that sets you up to be blessed. Then comes taxes. Then comes mortgage. Then comes utilities. Then comes car payment. Then comes insurance. Then comes groceries. Then credit card. Then vacation. Then entertainment. Then dog bills. And when we put God first, it is God who blesses you. 
God says, prove me. Prove me. You know, I've been in ministry for a long time. I've never yet, I have never yet. And by the way, I could have had many, many people come up and give testimony of God's faithfulness. I have never yet met one Christian who have surrendered themselves to honoring God ever come up to me and say, wow, I just really went broke tithing. I never have. And you know what? God will bless you. God will bless me. When we say, Lord, first fruits, Jesus says, and if he was here preaching this, and he is, his spirit is speaking. I'm, his, I'm the paper boy. He, the Holy Spirit, is speaking this morning. He is saying, honor me. Look at me. Worship me. Don't take what is mine. I will curse you. Don't take from the table of God's blessing. Hoard it on yourselves. Spend it on yourselves. And ignore me because I have the power of wealth. Let God bless you. God wants to see our obedience. God wants us to trust him. First fruits, whatever he sends your way, is a gift from God. And what you do with that gift, say, God, I acknowledge everything you have given me. And I'm honoring you. I'm giving back to you. You know, it's a mindset. You just say, you know what? I'm a believer. I believe the Bible is God's word. And I love the Lord Jesus. He saved my soul. I'm going to heaven. I'm not going to hell. God's going to send me to the eternal city of God to dwell with the other saints above. And I am going to start living my life in accordance of the principles of God. And God will bless you, my friend. Honor the Lord. With every head bowed and every eyes closed. If you're here today and you're saying, preacher, pray for me. I don't know if I died today, I'd, I'd even go to heaven. The greatest gift that God has extended to you is the gift of his giving of his son on the cross for your salvation. If you're here today and you're saying, preacher, I want you to pray for me that God would minister to my heart.